welcome back to another edition of the SBK betting podcast. We've just had a, a scintillating weekend of action at Epsom, the, the Derby and the Oaks. It didn't disappoint. And while we might have got the Derby just a little bit wrong, it's always uh, wonderful to see performances like that and absolutely monsters on the, on the race course. And we saw some beautiful performances, both horses, jockeys, and uh, there's so much to take out of it. We've, of course, got our, our regular weekend preview, but we're going to have to start with what we saw from last weekend at Epsom, because I do think it was one of those um, history-making uh, weekends. Obviously, Frankie Dettori is writing his own scripts when it comes to this farewell tour. And part of that, of course, was Soul Sister and Emily Upjohn, um, Emily Upjohn taking the Coronation Cup in, in what was, when you broke it down and really replayed it, rewatched it, quite devastating. And then Soul Sister uh, looked quite a, an easy effortless display in the end. So those were some the, the two, obviously, Auguste Rodin as well. Um, so it's always worthwhile just taking out the key takeaways with our, our trusted men. We've got TC and Ross, as always, with us. And Ross, we'll start with you because you did put up Carnarvon at 50 to 1 to be placed in the Oaks, where we might not have had the most successful time in the Derby. You must have enjoyed that because what a run she gave um, her connections. She looked miniature compared to the two fillies either side of her, but she ran a, a brilliant race and they came far clear of the rest as well. Yeah, it's that old adage, isn't it? It's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. And, and she is tiny, but I mean, I have to admit, a furlong out, I just wondered whether she was just going to grind it out and then the class you know it was whether uh soul seeker was going to find for frankie and and she found plenty but yeah it was it was an it was a nice run you know it wasn't a confident 50 for one selection but i did think she was overpriced i liked what she did in the guineas and watching in the guineas was exactly what she did in the oaks which is just grind away and 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 not give in and and, and keep on going when others have cried enough um i think the winner is a very smart filly on that ground i think she won in spite of the track I, I still think that i think it was clear that frankie was very keen to give her a, a, a clear a clear run um and along with emily upjohn i think they're going to want to come back to to 10 furlongs it'll be interesting to see what they do how they split them up because i think the, the way breeding is at the moment um stamina for a mile and a half is not as exciting as it as it once used to be it's more speed for a mile speed for a for 10 furlongs so so what they do um, I'm not sure, but I, I'm sure it will be coming back in trip, uh, not staying at that uh, 12 furlong trip. Yeah, um, Ribblesdale potentially for Soul Sister, one more four. Maybe it's the the Irish Oaks as well, which has um, been uh, that that's got got a little bit extra time. Don't they have to wait? It's not the same week weekend as the Irish Derby, so it's actually quite a nice uh, program for Soul Sister, especially in her three-year-old category if she stays in it. Um, uh, we uh, we talked a lot about Save the Last Dance, nearly the fact that we all were completely in agreement that she was going to be the one that was going to go away with the Oaks. What did you make of her? Was, was, was there any excuses? Well, I, th I think the excuse was the one thing we got really wrong. She's just not quick enough on that ground. And you know, that just goes to show that you can think you know about breeding all you like. But um, everything about her pedigree says that she should have been better on quick ground. Clearly, uh, the softer ground she had at Chester slowed everyone else down. She went through it well. I actually spoke to a good friend of mine uh, who does listen, so he'd be pleased to hear this, um, who in the middle of the week said, I hope she gets beat because I've had a nice bet on her for the arc, um, levelling that it's going to be on softer ground. So, so Andrew Flynn is feeling very smug right now, myself less so. And I do think, just while we're on it, that the German horse that ran in the coronation 
mistakes. I wouldn't give up on him for the arc. I think he's going to get his ideal conditions if we're looking looking forward. So, um, yeah, I just think she just uh, saved last night. She just was not quick enough on that ground, unfortunately. Um, she was very gutsy to stay on to, you know, to get as close as she did, actually, because at one point it looked like she wasn't going to get very close at all. Yeah, certainly. Um, I, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, it was quick ground out there and it definitely favoured plenty of them and certainly favoured Augusta Rodin. One of the things that Ryan Moore said was that completely different conditions to Newmarket. And I have to say, hands up, we were wrong. We were worried. I think Ross and I both worried about his mental capacity to be able to deal with the roller coaster nature of Epsom, to deal with the build-up, which we have to say, full credit to Epsom and the Jockey Club for making it go off without any problems. Um, and that it was pretty much on time was was brilliant. And we saw a fabulous horse race, Tom. August Rodin, back to what we know of him, um, but he had a, a very big, dangerous and enormous in size opponent in King of Steel. What did you make of the race as a whole? What were your big takeouts and, and how do you view August Rodin now? Well, going into the race, I, I said in last week's pod that it was going to be a match between August Rodin and Military Order. I thought, you know, it had a competitive look to the market, but I didn't think it was a very competitive race. Now, Military Order didn't run very well at all, finished last was unbalanced on the track and Charlie Appleby had no excuses uh, when asked by the stewards. Uh, Arrest was somehow sent off favourite. I mean, who's backing that horse at 4-1 to one on that ground? God knows he ran terribly as predicted by all of us. Um, so that should have left August Rodin out in front, in, in my view. But King of Steel ran a cracker uh, to put it up to him. He's a massive horse coming back off the, off a long layoff. Uh, and to be able to handle that track, scoot through the gap at a crucial time and to throw it down to August Rodin, he ran a great race. Unsurprisingly, the pair drew clear. It wasn't a great race in terms of depth. Um, but August Rodin got an RPR of 124. That's exactly the same as Adiar back in 2021, Harzand in 2016. So the performance of the winner matches up with some of the, the real good Derby winners in the last decade. I think he's going to probably go to the Irish Derby and win that. Um, and I imagine King of Steel will probably go to the Irish Derby as well. The only horse that I would take from the race, aside from the aforementioned military order, who didn't handle the track, uh, was Spreewell who I didn't like at all coming into the race. But he was trapped in a pocket at a crucial stage when the horses on the outside scooted clear. Um, and he had to be galvanised, moved out of the pocket. And he ran home very nicely before. So I think maybe I underestimated, underestimated him going into the race. I won't be doing that again, Jess. Yeah, I like Spruel. And if he got four places at 14-1, to 1, he did run well. Also, White Birch, who was really getting wound up in the, in the, in the build-up to the race. He was... Um, causing Colin Keane all sorts of havoc and he ran um, he ran very well considering all of that to finish third so if he's more settled we, I would have been intrigued to see if he got a lot closer quick word Ross this time last week we were saying that um, this could be a national hunt making uh, race um, national hunt stallion making race what do you make of a deep impact uh, sire joining the national hunt rosters it would certainly shake it up a bit, wouldn't it? I mean, I, I, I think, I think probably uh, King of Steel is the more likely uh, candidate to head to the national hunt ranks. But um, yeah, it, it just staggers you that a horse with that much quality will, by all likelihood, unless he gets very early two-year-old, end up being a national hunt stallion at some point. It, it, it baffles me. Um, but I'm continually baffled by by sort of the decisions the big breeding houses make. To be honest. 
I think that they'll be very careful with where they go next. I think coming back in trip will be key. The derby is the derby, but they don't need to continue on this trajectory uh, trip-wise. And I wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprised if they avoid things like the King George for that matter, which uh, can sort of cement that um, uh, stamina-laden Star Wars and trying to emphasize the speed is what I, I would be... I'd be imagining that they're going to be going on to next. So uh, coming back in trip a bit like uh, the horses in the Oaks. Okay, that's a, a nice sort of uh, reminisce on what we saw last weekend. Um, this weekend, um, we are looking ahead to slightly lesser racing, but all SBK users can get a £10 free bet this week when they bet £50 on any markets. Because even though we don't have plastics, we still have competitive action and we've got lots of great football as well and more about some of those offers as well coming up. But we're going to focus on um, the John of Gaunt Stakes, um, which is at Haydock at 3.35. Um, a seven furlong race. And even though it's a group three, these seven furlong races, they can be very competitive because it's quite a, it's quite a difficult uh, trip um, for plenty of them if, they're, if you really are a specialist at seven furlongs. So there aren't many options. Um, you see a lot of horses coming back down and trip from a mile where there's plenty of options. Some trying to be, some sprinters trying to be stretched out as well, which uh, we will see with um, some of them, including the astrologist, who's this uh, um, Australian horse who's been here for a for a little bit, last seen at York in the Duke of York Clipper Stakes. He's got Ryan Moore on board. Jumbie is coming back after running in the lock-inch. Um, and then you've got some um, horses who are sort of stepping up in grade. Al Caballo, uh, the Wizard of Eye, Boardman and Gorak. So just six runners, um, Tom. Um, start with you first, which I thought was a bit disappointing considering I thought that this can be a nice opportunity for those that just struggle at slightly uh, top ech echelons in those six furlong mile races. Yeah, unfortunately, the race has cut up because I looked at all these races that we're covering on the pod, uh, Napa Next Best, and this event on Tuesday when I was looking at the uh, entries. And the market had a horse called Aldari at the top at 7-4, to four, and Angel Blow was 11-4, to four, second favourite. And it looked like this race had a nice shape because we're anticipating fast ground, and both of those two horses don't like fast ground. So I was hoping at least one of them would stay in the field. Unfortunately, Connections did the right decision. They took them both out. They wouldn't have been suited by conditions. But then that means that we're left with a pretty bleak uh, contest for the grade. I really like El, El Caballo in here. Jumbi is probably favourite right now because of the fact that he is the out-and-out -out seven furlong fast ground horse in the field. He's dropping down from the lock inch, as you said. Um, but he's been five to seven pounds below his best in both runs this year. I think he's better suited to big fields as well. Uh, he's got that typical stalk and pounce style uh, of a horse that relishes big field handicaps where you get lots of cover, uh, the leaders come back to you and you can use that, that turn of foot late on. And he might not get that. Whereas El Caballo, although he's going up in trip from six to seven furlongs, he has lots of tactical speed. He has the most uh, early speed in this race, which should mean that he gets an easy lead. And that could be crucial in this small field event. He won the Sandy Lane at this track last year. So there's a tick next to Haydock, uh, which other horses in this race don't have. And I think that the fact that he's going to get that track position could be the difference between El Cabello and Jumbi in this race. So I'm definitely taking Carl Burke's horse. Last time out, he ran on heavy ground, put a line through that. Yeah, that was exactly what I was going to say. There's a lot of horses that were just found out at the early part of the year on that kind of ground. I don't think he was, I think he was just eased down in the end by Clifford Lee. A horse that went on such a roll, won at this track this time last year, was a very good three-year-old. Just sort of went all amiss um, at, uh, at Ascot, and then he just wasn't seen. Does that does that worry you a little bit that we just sort of don't know whether he's still at that level, or whether he's up to these sort of older types? I think that's probably factored into the price, um, but I think he well 
he racked up a, a real streak of wins and good uh, performances last year. I can forgive him his um, dismal, we'll use dismal in inverted commas, um, uh, performance at the end of last season. And as I say, there was clear excuses for his comeback. And as we keep touching on these podcasts, horses make people look like fools if you give up on them after one bad run. Now, I know it's two. I know it's two in this case, but their excuses last time. So I'm not counting that. One bad run at the end of last year. He's going to bounce back at some point. He's a very talented sprinter. And I think this is the perfect spot for El Cabello to bounce back. Uh, regular listeners of the podcast know that, Tom, that you, when it comes to the jump season, if there's a letter to a horse's name, especially an F, you would you don't back them afterwards. I, I reckon the performance last time is probably equivalent to nearly an F. But look... Uh, well, we can't. We, we don't have things like that when it comes to the flat. But El Caballo does have to uh, come back from that, and there are excuses. And I think Ross, um, with Carver, as you get to know him better, and he's such a easy person to listen to, and he's a very good person to get an interview from because he speaks straight. But he doesn't shoot from the hip in the fact that you think, oh, here we go, here's another one. But when you listen, when you li- when you listen to him speak, you think, you know. He's a man who's a pretty level-headed. He knows his horses and he's still got utmost confidence in El Caballo. And that gives me a splendid amount of, of, of confidence in a horse like this. But And the fact that his team are in such excellent form as well, it looks like perfectly planned out for him, really. Yeah, he's one of the few trainers that I think you can take what he's saying pretty much at, at, at face value. I think a lot of times you're getting sound bites and sort of political... Um, sort of sections from from trainers to appease owners and you know all the rest of it I think he's he's probably one of the exceptions um I'm in complete agreement with TC I think he's pretty much covered it I mean Jumbie has got one standout piece of form pretty much in his entire career and in five runs since the Hungerford Stakes he's been well beaten he's only beaten six rivals in those five runs um Okay, he's been tried over a a couple of different trips, but you would still expect him to be running better than that. He's run on tracks that should have suited. Um, If he bounces back to that Hungerford stakes form, then yeah, he's 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 a danger. But I think you you know you you're worrying whether that was a was the outlier as opposed to a a true representation of his form. I think the astrologist has just got absolutely no chance of seeing out this seven. He looked like he was weakening over six furlongs last time in the Clipper at York. You know, he's by Zoo Star. He's a, a real Australian bred sprinter. The Wizard Eye is the only other one that's got a conceivable chance, but he's a mile 10 furlong horse. And I think on softer ground as well. Um, so it does leave Al Caballo. Um, I, I was disappointed that the, the other two came out because I thought he was, Al Caballo was a, was a, a, a nice angle into this uh, i still think he is albeit at a slightly shorter price um i read that he was injured um when disappointing in the, in the commonwealth cup at, at royal ascot um the trainer also said he thought the ground was 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 too quick for him on that occasion um that's a mild concern the ground description here is is good to form as we're good to firm sorry as we're talking but we do know the clerk of the course is not adverse to getting his watering can out. I would be surprised if it's proper good to firm ground. And I think if it is good to firm ground and they were genuinely worried about that, he'll simply be a non-runner and you, you know, no harm done because you'll get your stake back. Um, it's, a, it's a big drop in grade. He's already proven he stays uh, seven furlongs when winning uh, the Spring Cup on the all-weather. And he saw that out really well. And I think TC's hit on the most important part is he'll be quick away from the gates. He'll be able to get a nice position. Jumbie, who I think is probably the real danger, is going to have to pass horses. And I, I think he just could be very difficult to, to peg back on this track. Um, 
last time you can just put a line through it, the ground was the ground was awful. Um, and I, I think you know he's he's done nothing to me or to show me that he's he's not every bit as good as he was last year. You know he was a three year old last year, had a busy old early part of the season before Royal Ascot. Um, if anything, he could come back bigger and stronger. Okay, yeah, um, that is my concern, is the ground, um, how much quicker it will get. It's so warm, scorching warm, um, even a bit of water, I think it will dry out quite quickly. You wouldn't want to risk it too much, but look, um, he does have, have plenty in his favour, and I think that starting position is the key. Jumbi, you remember on his first start of the season, was so slow away, completely ruined his chances. I think that was a non-event completely. And then running in the lock-in was a bit of a a shoot for the moon kind of idea and he just wasn't good enough um and that was over a mile so i'm 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 just just to make things a little bit more interesting going to side with jumbi um because i think that he could if el caballo just finds it on the quicker side just be the classiest the classiest in here the astrologist as we've touched on is a sprinter and i think he's just trying to bounce back or show himself something get a bit more confidence out of after his disappointing run last time we don't really know how good he is in context of the uk form and everything else really are just sort of um top level handicappers or albeit boardman was um very impressive last time out at uh at chester um but i think it's it's between Jumbi and El Kabai. I think we can agree on that um, for the context of um, the John of Gaunt stakes. Um, TC and Ross both going with um, Carl Burt's El Kabai. And I'm going to stick with Jumbi for Eve Dodson Horton, who had a marvellous weekend. She's really got her horses in, in good places. And um, Sheer Rocks in these colours as well really surprised me. Um, and we'll be heading off to Ascot, um, you'd imagine, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, okay, that's the uh, main race that we, we focused on. Um, we're going to do something a bit different for our Naps and Next Best. We're going to start with just Naps, and then we're going to do a Next Best. And I think if you listen carefully enough, you'll find out why. So, <laughs> who am I going to start with? <laughs> This was subject to some conversation earlier. Now I feel like, do you know what, TC? I'm going to start with your nap first. Uh, no, you know, I'm going to start with your next best first. If that's okay. We'll start with next best and then go naps because your next your next best last week hacked up and we haven't mentioned it first. Tarita at four to one, um, given a fine ride. So let's do something a bit different. Let's start with next best first. We're going with next best. Okay, I like it. Also, by the way, t touching on last week's races, my nap last week, Max Mayhem ran no kind of race in that race, uh, won by Sheer Rocks, who you just talked about. Keep him on side because he just didn't like the track or the ground. He will definitely win a big handicap coming up in this summer, uh, maybe at Ascot. So keep Max Mayhem on side. Uh, my next best this week, and yes, you've already touched on, there's going to be a lot of duplication here between Ross and myself. Um, so I'm going to steal Ross's next best. Well, Ross's nap. Uh, and that is Midnight Affair in the 205 at Beverly. Now, Clipper Logistics excel with their two-year-olds, um, typically in the early part of the season and at York, but they're going to Beverly for uh, what is a big two-year-old day uh, with the Hero Needler as well um, as the two-year-old trophy. And Richard Farr, he's had a phenomenal season with two-year-olds so far, striking at 22%. I think he's going to increase and enhance that strike rate here. Midnight, uh, a daughter of Dark Angel, ran an absolute perler on debut at Newmarket behind a horse called Soprano, who's trained by George Bowie and is the two-year-old that George Bowie put up at the start of the season, uh, saying that she is the best of uh, his crop. Now, you can read that stable tour, still on betting.ksbk.com, but the fact that she ran second to Soprano shows uh, that she might have bumped into one that day. Now, that, it wasn't just the fact that she finished second, it was the fact that she didn't get a very good trip in the race either. Uh, she was caught in a pocket, a crucial part of the race, 
Danny Tudhope had to weave right, weave left, get a clear run. Uh, and by that point, Soprano had already gone beyond recall. But Midnight Affair picked up really, really t- takingly in the closing stages. Uh, the third hasn't really boosted the form that well, but she came back to finish second in a Goodwood Novice event, won by a horse called La Garida, who is highly regarded by Richard Hannon, as uh, touched on by Jess earlier in the season in one of uh, the other podcasts that we've done. So hopefully Midnight Affair can make its second time lucky in the 205 at Beverly. Okay, um, Midnight Affair in the Hillary Nilda, um, which is always a, a cracking two-year-old contest. Um, now, because uh, TC's taking Ross's nap, I think it's time for Ross to for your next best, which I think might be you're doing something in the similar vein here. So go for it. Well, I have to confess, Jess, actually, this isn't my, my next best. I was walking through Basingstoke yesterday and I found a, a journal lying on the floor. It was a picture of Ross Orion with a love heart round it. And inside it had a couple of, couple of notes written up. And one of them was uh, Rasal in the 115. Um, and I, I, I complete, I'm sure TC is going to just echo what I say. Um, I thought he ran with credit on his, on his return at Newmarket. Um, the ground was just a bit too soft, but he, he did pretty well in his, in his group that he ran in. The Temple Stakes last time at Haydock, I mean, the less said about that, the better. Um, they clearly overwatered parts of the track and underwatered others. He was drawn in the middle of the track. He drifted left. He had absolutely no chance. Dramatised came up the standside rail, which throughout the day was proven to be the place you needed to be. She flew. Rasa wasn't given a hard time. Um, I think this is by some distance the easiest contest he's had for, for some time. And I think he's a big price um, to get his sort of career back on track. Okay, so that's the Killy Stakes at Haydock over five furlongs. Russell around about seven to one. Um, I must say Midnight Affair, 11 to eight. So those are the next best selections. Um, I will throw in my next best now while we're on we're on the um, on the case. And that's actually in the Hidri Nida as well. I had uh, a trip up to Cataract, which was lovely, um, a couple of weeks ago. And um, I got to see Alpha Moonstone, daughter of Havana Gray, uh, win um, hard-held, really. She, uh, she only has one way of going, and that's from the front. She is all speed. And Craig Lister, who's had a great uh, beginning of the season with his two-year-olds, um, that his horses will probably always be just slightly overlooked because he's a smaller yard. But I think that this um, filly it showed pr- plenty of zip. She ran well first time out um, to finish eighth in the Lily Agnes on first start. So they clearly had her in high regard. She's just got that a little bit more experience than some of the others, um, including um, the main selection from Tom and Ross, which is Midnight Affair. And because she's just got one way, one way going, I think that will suit a horse at Beverly. I think I remember rightly that last year when Star of Lady M won um, the Hillary Needler, um, it was a, a pretty... Uh, a good display by Danny Tudhope, who knows the track well. And some of the Southern-based jockeys, I think, remember us remember us watching, just got a little bit caught out from being off the pace just slightly. So you want to be out on front on the front end. And I think that's where um, my selection, Alpha Moonstone, will be. Um, whether she'll be able to hold on to it, I don't know, but I'm quite happy um, for an each-way selection at 18 to 1. So that's my next best. Um, so we'll go to our naps now. So TC, take away your angle on a horse that we might have already heard about. Yeah, lots of duplication, as you already touched on. Ross and I have Nap and Next Best in the same horses, but the other way around. So my Nap is Rassel in the 115 at Haydock. 7-1, to one, as you've already touched on, I think is a brilliant price and the best bet of this weekend by some considerable distance. Ross has already mentioned last time, uh, Kirkland Tellwright didn't water the track properly. So there was a huge bias towards the stand side. Rassel was far side, put a line through it. You can't win when there's such a bias like that. 
and it wasn't just in the race before people start saying that it was across the whole, the whole card you could watch every race and any horse towards the middle of the track had no chance horses towards stand side uh, were finishing five to ten lengths in front of those in the middle prior to that Rassel had been running in much better races um, I mean if you go back to last year he won this race last year by the way the Achilles stakes um, if you go back to this race last year he went straight from this uh, to then where he beat Dragon Symbol who's by far uh, superior to any other horse in this year's lineup then he won the group three coral charge at sandown um, then he finished second in the group two king george qatar uh, qatar stakes at glorious goodwood and then after that he ran in three group ones two races in maidan uh, that were far better than this and he probably didn't like the ground or, or the conditions at maidan anyway and then two runs this year first uh, outing this year he finished a very good fourth coming back off a layoff uh, in quite a nice heat and then as we touched on last time he couldn't possibly win. So I think coming back to Haydock will definitely suit him. Um, this is a much easier contest than he's faced uh, for the last 12 months. He's now facing inferior position as opposed to superior. And I think he's by far the horse to beat. And I will be surprised if he doesn't go off favour at Rassel in the 115 at Haydock. Fabulous. And just to add to that, James Doyle back on board. Um, just had a very quick look. He's ridden the horse eight times. How many times has he won on him from those eight? Quite a few. I have no idea the exact number, but quite a few. Oh, coming from the stat man, five, five, <laughs> five out of the eight. So that's pretty good. And um, it, you know, James Doyle's not always available, but having him back on board is a bit of a you know, imagine a bit of a confidence boost for a horse that he knows really well. And he's not the easiest. You've got to weave him through, don't you? You've got to get. You've got to be um, hitting that, hitting, hitting the right spot for him right on time. So that's an and, answer that. The thing is, Doyle's familiarity, um, obviously him being on board as a top-class jockey is one thing and, and a positive, but his familiarity about how to ride Rassel, as you've just touched on there, is going to be a big part as to why I think he's got a great chance of winning. Because if there's one negative about Rassel in this race, is that he's drawn in stall one, which is, as we've seen the stalls so far at Haydock, towards the middle of the track. So if there is some kind of bias again, Doyle's going to have to come across, but he knows how to ride Rassel, get him into cover, uh, behind cover, sorry. From the early stages, he'll be weaving to his right-hand side, uh, and I'm sure that he's going to find a, a gap through and win this race. Okay, so Russell's do back-to-back victories in the Achilles Stakes. Uh, both TC and Ross are very confident um, about him. Ross, um, what's your nap? Well, you'll never guess. Uh, it is uh, <laughs> TC's next best in the 205 uh, Midnight Affair. Just to echo what TC said, really, um, Soprano has been the standout filly that I've seen in the in the two-year division this year. Um, Midnight Affair ran ran close to her, having got a terrible passage through. Danny Tudhope is a, is a, a good jockey, but I thought it's a pretty poor ride, pretty erratic. It looked very reactionary, whereas you would normally think of him as being sort of quintessentially calm. Um, I think she's uh, uh, got loads more to give. As TC hit on, she, he uh, richifies 22% with his two-year-olds this year. His last five winners have all been two-year-olds. He only had five winners in the last 14 days. They're all two-year-olds. No trainer in the country has got his two-year-olds in better form. Um, I think Midnight Fair is a really smart filly, and it wouldn't surprise me if she were to meet Soprano again if she got very, very close to her. Okay, brilliant. Well, that's a, a race where I, um, as I mentioned, have already got my next best selection in, and I've just been told 18 to 1. Uh, you kept for Alpha Moonstone. Um, shorter for the the nap from Ross, next best from TC, which, by the way, just to make a point, doesn't happen. If you're new to the podcast, I don't think this has ever happened. Not that we're not lazy and haven't looked through every single race. And I think, in fact, um, I can see from our messages that 
TC is so dedicated to the cause. He went through the yesterday's pre-decks and there were only the two that stood out. So I think it's a it's a testament to the horses and the quality they are uh, and potentially just not as competitive racing than just there isn't a huge amount more to, to, to pick from. Um, okay, right. My nap, um, my nap selection is uh, something a bit different, just to add a little bit of spice into things. Um, I've gone for Just Bring It in the 4.45 at Haydock, um, a one-mile handicap. There's really not a huge amount separating any of these eight runners from a, from a ratings perspective. And Just Bring It is a horse that I've always, um, I've been following a little bit, followed last year as a two-year-old. Um, and the three-year-old, as a three-year-old this year, he definitely looks like he's trained on. Um, he won on his comeback run at Kempton and then was down the field, I think has definitely been found out by by the soft ground. Um, so put a line through that run at Nottingham at the start of the season. And then he's run two good races, especially at Haydock last time where he was held up and he stayed on very uh, convincingly. He just didn't get the clearest of runs under Marco Ghiani. Um, and I think if he had uh, a better um, running room, he would have finished a lot closer. Uh, he comes here off the off the same mark and what I don't think is as competitive of races. He was actually put behind Kobe that day, who I think is one of TC's naps or one, one of the selections at one point throughout the course of May. Um, so just bring it. I think it comes into this in good order in a lesser race. And I'm hopeful that he can um, close out the day at Haydock in good style for uh, the podcast. Um, okay, so that's a, a run through what we've got to look forward to. As mentioned, um, naps, next best selections. Um, uh, un unusual in the fact that Ross and TC have both have um, gone for the same or as as I don't blame you, Ross, if you've just been copying a bit of homework because you've had such a good run of form. Yeah, I'd say T <laughs> TC's more worried about me following him than I am worried about TC following me. Absolutely not. It's the dream team. It's the dream team. Perfect double this Saturday. Yeah, working together. And um, I'll say that we're going to be back as a group. I think, um, Ross, you're coming, making your trip over from France, especially for Royal Aston yeah, preview made, next week. Made a note that you favoured TC over me to go first. So someone's getting a stale cross on, someone's getting fresh. <laughs> I'm not sure if I want one coming from all the way from France on a plane, but thanks. <laughs> but we'll see. Well, we can we can test them out next week. Thank you. As always, look forward to that. Um, uh, don't forget, it is the Champions League final this weekend at Man City into Milan. And all SBK users can get a free £5 bet builder for the Champions League final um, when they place any bet on any market. That's right. Literally, a 5p bet gets you a £5 bet builder for the final. So that is something, if you're a big football fan, um, that you should take advantage of. Um, please remember to subscribe to whichever podcast channel you listen to, especially as we've got that Royal Ascot preview um, to look forward to um, coming up next week with the, the big five days of the, the summer calendar um, hot on our heels so looking forward to that let's hope that we've had a successful weekend as well by the time you listen to that next podcast thanks to tc and thanks ross and we'll see you soon